Hello, Adulting Well listeners. This is Pepper, a.k.a. Joshua, a.k.a. Pepper, here to tell you about Anchor. So we used to host our podcast on another service, and we had this show for maybe three or four years at this point. And we got some metrics and things, but we didn't have a lot to do with them. And we recently switched over to Anchor. And what's amazing about it is it has all the metrics for the show. So you can see, you know, how many downloads you get and things like that. But it it also lets you engage with the audience uh, in ways that our old service couldn't. So, for instance, we can have polls. We can ask listeners to uh, leave us messages and questions and things like that. And we can uh, put them on the air super easily and answer those questions. Just uh, that's just one example. But there are just a lot of different ways that we can um, engage with you now that we're using Anchor. So uh, this is our first ad, and it's for this service that we're using to provide this podcast to you. And I think it's uh, actually a really, really good service. Um, And if you have a podcast, I recommend it. You can download the Anchor app or go to Anchor FM to get started. Uh, Thanks for uh, pausing with me for a second. Now back to the episode. Hello and welcome to the Adulting Well Podcast. I am your co-host, Joshua, and I am joined by Kevin. Kevin, how are you? I'm doing well, Joshua, and I'm your co-host, Kevin. Um, Today on the program, we have Megan Lynn Cott. Uh, She is a professional illustrator. Um, She does some amazing uh, pet portraits. Uh, If you've seen them, you will know them because she definitely has a specific style. Um, And she also uh, designs graphics and does a whole bunch of other stuff. Um, She she does work for Chronicle Books. Um, I know that you've done uh, a bunch of work for our previous guest as well, Hannah Shaw. Um, and you are collaborating on some other stuff that she would not tell me about in our last, uh, <laughs> podcast. Oh, yeah. Top secret projects, <laughs> top secret kitty projects. Um, and, uh, you not terribly long ago moved from the Bay area to Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Um, I know it's probably been a couple of years now. Uh, and we met, uh, maybe eight years ago at noise pop festival. You were one of the many amazing people that answered my call for merchandise help. Um, so welcome to the program and thank you so much for taking the time, especially this late in your, in your, uh, in your home to talk to us. Oh yeah. Thanks so much for inviting me. I'm happy to be here. Yeah. So, um, tell us a little bit about your background and kind of what brought you into, I know you through music and that's a lot of what we talk about here, but maybe talk a little bit about what it was like when you were young and what sort of molded your artistic uh, acumen, because I know you were immediately a cat person. Um, so we can talk a little bit about that and maybe a little bit about sort of how that developed and it, you know, that would be great. Uh, well, uh, I'm also like an old school vegan. I think I've been vegan for 19 years now. Oh, wow. Wow. Uh, yeah, I, I should do something for my 20th anniversary next summer or something. Um, well, uh, well, did you have cats growing up? Yeah, I did. My first word was kitty. As a <laughs> child. Okay. Game over. Yep. Yeah. Uh, set spike. Um, so I, I've always been an animal lover. My mom was a big recycling advocate and like environmental advocate. She was the person on the block who would separate out all the recycling because in the Midwest you had to do that and tie your like newspapers together and all that. 
Um, so was that she, considered like kind of uh, not not the status quo at that time? Probably no. I yeah, I'm probably of that. I'm dating myself a little. I'm probably of that era when recycling wasn't cool. Sure. And um, I think my mom pulled out a newspaper article recently um, that I wrote to, like when I realized what pollution was and uh, what people were doing to the planet. I think in like third grade, I wrote to the local newspaper as a child, I rate at how like adults were treating the planet. And she found that and she's like, here, look, you've always been like this. Oh, it's amazing. Yeah. And were you uh, drawing too when you were young? I did. Um, she said the only thing that would keep me quiet was like taping paper to my high chair and I would just like draw and do all that. But I, I don't, I'm of the school of thought that I don't think that you're like born with innate talent. I think mm-hmm. that it takes the 10,000 hours to get good at something. Like I think if you put in the work, you will get good at the thing. I agree want. with that. I yeah. That's like, absolutely true. So were you just drawing all the time then when you were younger? Yeah, um, I drew a lot. Um, I wanted to be a writer briefly when I was um, in elementary school. And uh, I would write like really sprawling like stories and illustrate them. And I think my fifth grade teacher, we had to like write a story for our final project. My fifth grade teacher said, fifth graders don't write stories like this. And she threw it in the garbage Oh. And I was like, well, I guess wow. I'm not a writer. Wow. She killed it. Oh, my gosh. What was Netflix, what was, Netflix what, bought yeah. that and made it into a show. So it probably did. I mean, what, it was ripped was off it heavily from uh, a book I had just read, like The Witch of Blackbird Pond. Mm-hmm. So. But that's how young writers get their starts is you yeah. take stuff you like and you kind of repurpose it, right? Yeah, it's, it's not really it's not really stealing at that point. It's it's honing your skills. I, I remember the first line of the story. Do you guys want to hear it? Yes. Yeah, I was going to ask if you remember <laughs> the story. <laughs> it's it's um, the wind whipped wildly through her long auburn hair. Wow. Well, that teacher doesn't know what they're talking. Yeah, he was dumb. Mm. Bad A call. Jerk. So so you obviously first words, Kitty. You know, your your mom's keeping you busy drawing. Um, it's kind of how'd that develop? I mean, you say, you know, and, and I am too, I've been vegan a really long time and I'm 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 probably much older than you too, and <laughs> been vegan, you know, most of my adult life. So uh that's uh, you know, almost thirty years now. So yeah. it's crazy. Um but um how did how did that come about? Because I always find that story to be incredibly interesting. Like Especially um, in the Midwest. I mean, I think um, I had started going to shows when I was young um, and even by myself when I was pretty young. So um, I think like when I was like 12, 11 or 12, I went to the Lollapalooza with Sonic Youth mm-hmm. um, where they were the headliner. And um, there was like a pita table there and they like gave me a brochure and I was like, whoa, mind blown. I didn't know any of this. Like, I mean, I knew I made the connection between like beef and cow. Like, it's so weird that we create different words for Mm -hmm. those things, like our food and our animal, like to create a differentiation. But, um, I think that, uh, like knowing about the slaughterhouses and like, I don't know how, (laughs) how heavy to get here, but, um, about the 
inhumane conditions, like really changed my mind. So I became um, a vegetarian at the age of 12 and um, around 19, um, I had some friends like in college who were vegan and they were like, well, I do this and this and this because uh, being vegetarian kind of isn't enough because made made the connection for me. And I was like, well, I'll try it. And like, I kind of slowly took things out. Like I took, started drinking soy milk and like, not that I even do that now. My mom always asks me when she, when I come home to like, what kind of milk do you want? And I'm like, nobody drinks soy milk just like straight up. (laughs) Right. I don't. Do you? (laughs) No, it's for coffee. (laughs) Yeah. Um, What kind of milk do you you drink? Um, But just slowly eliminating things, I think, was the way to go. So the the music connection tends to be really strong, too. And it's interesting that you mentioned, you know, the being at a Sonic Youth show, there was a PETA table there. Um, I actually have worked a few of those tables over the years. Um, as we talked about in our last episode, I'm not as big a fan of PETA now yeah. as I once was for a variety of reasons, but yeah. I, I, you know, I think that the work that they do with youth is really important because mm-hmm. it, you know, the education part of it is key. And when you're younger, you have a tendency to be a bit more empathetic as well. I think, yeah. um, as we get older, there's a lot, a lot more jadedness, but, um, the, the it's you know the kind of the crossover between music and and um attitudes around you know consumption are are pretty tied in so were you were you did you consider yourself a punk kid were you going to punk shows and as well as like the like the big like music festivals and i was um i mean probably a lot more so in college um i i don't know that i like even quite like, I think I understood that I had kind of missed punk right. by the time I was a kid. So I, I, I was, I think I was in the, what do they call it? Like second wave emo, like sunny day real estate promise ring era. Sure. Of, sure. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Going to shows. Like, I, I think I went to shows like twice a week, if not wow. more than that. Um, and wh- where did you go to college? Just out of curiosity. In uh, college for creative studies in Detroit. Okay. Oh, mm. so yeah. So there were some great venues there. The St. Yeah. Andrews Hall's there and the shelter. Uh, sure. Yeah. The shelter. I, I saw, uh, I saw, I lived outside of Detroit briefly when I was in high school. So I saw the band shriek back at the shelter and, um, definitely went to a bunch of club kind of shows at, at, I mean, at, um, St. Andrews and then club shows at the shelter and also Royal Oak music theater is fantastic. I mean, oh yeah. That's actually, I think I couldn't afford that at the time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what the other venues were. I think uh, my first punk show was actually like that official where I was like, I knowingly went to a punk show was at the hungry brain in Detroit, which probably, I don't know if it was still around then, but yeah. I saw Deglo abortions uh, open for raw power, um, I've heard which is like it. a crazy, I mean, especially there. But so how was it going to college in Detroit at that time? Cause that, I mean, that's, that's a, it was a pretty rough community. Uh, I would guess that's what the, the, the middle uh, late nineties, uh, early thousands. Early um, thousands. Yeah, uh, it, it wasn't. It wasn't that bad. I had heard tell like we weren't allowed to go to Detroit as kids, um, right. because like um, our parents had gone through like the um, Detroit uh, like uprising in the seventies, and right. like they were all scared to go there as white people, and so now <laughs> like 
when I was like growing up, they're like, Oh, you're going to school in Detroit. Like, you know, get into your car, like go, go your mm-hmm. route and like mm-hmm. know where you're going and be safe. Um, but I, I mean, I don't know. I mean, as a youth, I think I was not naive, but like, I, 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 did, I saw things clearly. Like I saw things, like I would talk to people and be open and like, you know, if something you're like, there's a dark alley, I'm not going to go down there by myself. Like, sure. I'm not stupid, but like, also I'm open to things and I'll talk to people. Yeah. Do you find, like, I, I find as I get older, relating to the parents in that story more. Like when I was younger, sure. I, I went around the East Bay and Oakland, all these places. I didn't care where I was or anything. I was invincible. And now when I'm older, I'm way more sketched out when I walk around. It's a shame. Yeah. Yeah, um, I, uh, before I moved away from Oakland, I lived in the dirty thirties, okay. um, off of San Pablo. Yep. Uh, oh, right. Right. And, uh, like my partner at the time would like walk from like 25th or something like up San Pablo, like mm-hmm. looking at their phone and like just being, yeah. And I'm like, how are you doing that? That's yeah. not okay. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. Jumped, dude. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, totally. Uh, it's a, it's interesting. I, I actually had a friend get mugged in that area. Um, yeah. and it was no joke. I mean, he ended up in the hospital, you yeah. know? And so, um, I so, lived at 55th in San Pablo. Oh, nice. Nice. Yeah. I, I, uh, yeah, I, I lived in San Francisco, so, <laughs> um, so Nerd. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> when you, so when you, you were in school, wh- where do you think you started? So, I mean, Clearly, if you look at your work and I'm, you know, I'm not, I'm not like an art critic by any stretch of the imagination. My wife is an artist and she, she definitely knows a lot more about, you know, people's styles. And she says things to me when we go to art shows and I'm just like, okay, I feel like Homer Simpson. I'm like, okay, <laughs> you know, and, uh, but you definitely have a, a very specific style that you, that you, um, that you illustrate in. And, you know, it's, I, I think it's very recognizable. i you know, obviously I know you, so it's a little more, it's easier for me to say that because I've seen your work over the years. Um, but how did you start developing that? And especially in, in, like when you started really like going towards animals and, you know, doing a lot of the cat illustrations that you do, but which by the way, are really quite amazing. Oh, thank you. Um, I, my partner again and I uh, started a uh, Oakland Drink and Draw. Um, right. Gosh, maybe 2010, 2011, um, and we started at. Oh gosh, um, there's a bar that was famous for having um, greyhounds. Okay. Um, in downtown Oakland, and I'm forgetting the name now. Is it the um, Uptown? Van Cleef? Is that? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Van Cleef. Yes, okay. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, that we ended up outgrowing that and going to the new parkway when they opened, um, and we would take up the mezzanine up there. And like, at the end, we had like 50 people coming every week, Wednesday, um, to just like a free event to come and you didn't have to drink, but you did have to draw was our role. Um, and I think they're still going, they might be doing like digital events now. Very cool. Um, but yeah, it was really fun. Um, I like felt a strong sense of community there. And like, I think it forced a part of my practice in which I was able to like explore and just like not pay too close attention to it and kind of just like play around with things. Um, 
And I think that really helped me like progress. Like, um, to why get did better. that environment help you to do that? Did you feel like there was no expectations on what you were doing? So you felt freer or something? Kind of. I mean, you're, you're just kind of, you're not doing anything for a purpose. Right. Um, right. and I've heard other, um, artists talk about this too. Like, uh, Lisa Hannah Walt, um, talks about like, she did like some sort of faux Ted talk in which she talks about sculpting in as a means to like her creative practice. She would never show her sculptures to anybody, right. but like, it's that other creative thing that you do that helps you be more creative in the thing that you do. If that makes mm-hmm. any sense. That totally makes sense. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. Um, so I think that you should have something outside of the thing that you are creative at in order to be more creative in your own field. Sure. Yeah. And you're in your own work. So, so as you, I'm going to start a thing where everybody goes to a bar and they drink and podcast together. That sounds great. I, <laughs> I you know, I, 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 I actually sent something similar to Manny's <laughs> in San Francisco before they closed down. I was like, Hey, let's do like, you know, like speed podcasting at Manny's Man where we set up the, the setup and we just let people jump in and like interview each other for 10 minutes each. Ah, oh, I love it. You know, right. I mean, the, my other idea, which I've talked to Joshua about, which I think is brilliant, but no one has picked up yet is going around to, uh, to, uh, thrift stores and buying up all the old slides that they have Ooh. and getting a slide projector and projecting p- other people's vacation slides on a screen at a comedy club and whoever's up has to do the narrative and they don't get to see it ahead of time. So it's completely like off the cuff. Right. Um, so those are my two, those are my two brilliant ideas, speed podcasting and, and, uh, and, and vacation narration by a not member of the family. I love that. (laughs) I love that. I love, um, thrift store finds, um, like recordings and like, old photos and stuff like that. Yeah, I, found um, some amazing I think I was an old zine maker, um, back in the day. And I would like, nice. <laughs> yeah. Uh, puffy vest zine making kid. Um, <laughs> but like, uh, I worked at a place that like had old maps. And so I would take those and like found things from thrift stores and make that. That's so fun. Yeah. I mean, it was. Fun. What was your zine called? I, um, I, okay, so it, it's a weird name out of context, but it was called Nationalism because there's a <laughs> National Coney Island chain um, that we would all go to as like kids, like because it was open 24 hours a day, and that's where you would go after shows and basically every night. Um, so it was called Nationalism because of that, but not right. because of nationalism. But if you read between the lines. If you read between the lines, you would find like your far right extreme views. Oh, yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah, obviously. So what, where did you actually grow up? You went to college in Detroit. Where, where were you in the Midwest when you were young? Uh, in the like metro area. Like I was about 20 minutes north of Detroit in okay. Auburn Hills. I know Auburn Hills. Oh, so, you do? Yeah. So, so check this out. Connection here. My father, for most of his life, worked most of his working career worked for a company called Taubman Corporation, and they manage all the shopping centers around there. And their headquarters is in Auburn Hills. So, yeah. So, or maybe Farmington Hills. I don't know, one or the other. Anyway. Okay. um, So he managed uh, for a brief time um, one of the malls uh, out north of of Detroit, close to Pontiac. Great Lakes Um, Crossing. What's that? 
Was it Great Lakes Crossing? It wasn't Great Lakes Crossing, but like they 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 uh, they owned. I think there's like a Twelve Oaks Mall on Twelve yeah, Mile yeah, Road, yeah. and Oaks. so it was Sterling Heights, the Sterling Heights Shopping Center. Sure, yeah, yeah. So, and I, no joke, met Amy Mann of Till Tuesday at a signing event there. That my dad. That was like my dad's big. You know, this is night. You're talking. We're talking 1986, right? And this is like his yeah. big, his big like. I'm gonna I'm gonna introduce my son to this alternative music <laughs> woman. And I was actually like really excited. I was like, oh my God, it's Amy Mann. This is really cool. Way to go, Dad. That's awesome. <laughs> did you go to did you go to record time at all? Yeah. Yeah. Well, and there was a record store in Birmingham. Okay. Called I can't remember what it was called. It was definitely an independent record store. Yeah. Record time was my local one. Um, and they they had a couple stores. Right. Um so the one I, in I, Ferndale was my go-to. Oh, nice! Yeah, and so I, I've definitely traveled around that area quite a bit. I, I still have I still have friends there that I talk to. Actually, um, is, I was wondering if it was Great Lakes Crossing because um, I don't know if you've ever looked. If you don't know, there's like some very specific local person right now that if you look at a map of that, mm-hmm. um, it looks like a big wiener. It's oh, just, really? No, shaped like a wiener. There's no getting around it. <laughs> and so, as a teen, we thought that, that was a plus humor. That is, that's real. That's really good. So, so you lived in Auburn Hills. What school did you? What high school did you go to? Avondale. Avondale. Okay. So I went to West Bloomfield High School for. Oh, nice. Years. Yeah. Um, and we were, yeah, we <laughs> we were a little wild. We were a little wild for that town. Not not quite. Yeah. I, I was like the California kid. I was wearing black flag t-shirts and they, they didn't know what to do with me. Yeah. So I worked, I think the restaurant that I worked for was actually there up until recently. Confetti's. Um, it's like a, it was, it was there for a long time. So hmm. I, I was a bus boy. I worked at the Birmingham eight, which is, Oh the- really? Yeah. Awesome. I started um, an open mic night there um, at, for like kids doing poetry and singing songs and stuff um, very quietly because it was a movie theater, but they thought it was a great idea and they gave me employee of the year and I quit by just walking out one day yeah. well. because that was how good of an employee <laughs> I was. like, I don't feel like I actually, I called my boss there and I said, would you be okay if I just left and didn't come back? And she's like, yeah, I get it. This is oh. a crappy job. Totally. So, I mean, we're, we're kind of bouncing back and forth here, but so I want to, I want to focus in a little bit on like what I think is, you know, both amazing work, but also your kind of your, your success, you know, the, 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 the cat, the cat designs and, and especially, you know, you've done some really, really cool collaborations over the years. Obviously we, we mentioned Hannah, but um, you've got the, you did something with John Hodgman. How did, how did that come about? Yeah, um, uh, I actually uh, do the pledge drive enamel pins and gifts for. Sorry, (laughs) okay. Um, For maximum fun every year for their pledge drive. Um, So uh, I've done that for I think the last like six years or so. Um, It initially started because um, uh, Jesse Thorne and Jordan Morris um, said that they wanted. they asked the internet for drawings of them as cats. And so I, I drew that and um, they just liked it so much that I ended up doing a whole calendar of all their hosts as cats. 
That's a great story. You threw yourself out there, you know, you went for it. It's like one, and they just, you were discovered. (laughs) Yeah, kind of. Yeah, I totally was. Um, And so we've just like got a really good rapport since then. And um, I ended up working with some really amazing people like Amy Mann and Ted Leo. Awesome. um, For their Art of Process podcast. Uh, Love Ted Leo. Yeah. And I've already told my Amy Mann story, so. Um, my brush with Amy Mann. Yeah. <laughs> Ted Leo is amazing. That's really yeah. cool. And then, and then, obviously, you've done some some fun stuff for you know the kitten lady. And mm-hmm. there's a you know rumor that there's more to come because she very much touted you in her podcast uh, mm-hmm. episode. Yeah, um, she's great. So, so what? I mean, obviously, so you love cats, you love illustrating. What was your kind of aha moment around this? Like, how did you like? How was it like? All of a sudden, you were like, "Oh my gosh, this is what I can do, and I can actually maybe even eke out a living from this." Um. Well, uh, I don't know that I have a, a great like origin to that because, um, like, I think that every time something little like that happens, I think things are going to start happening to me now. And like, it's, it's a slow progression. So I don't know if there is a single moment where, but everything that you do leads to something else. Like, so because of a, like I get to F over there and like, because of all these little connections and each thing that you do leads to something else. Yeah. Do you think that's a myth in general that there's a moment? Yeah, the success looks like an overnight thing, and then it's always yeah. like, no, that band was around for 15 years before yeah. it happened. Yeah, I, I I, do. I mean, I think that there are some people who are in, in the right place at the right time doing the right thing. Totally. But um, I think most people who are successful in their craft end up putting in the work and, like, doing things, and, like, each thing is a progression. Yeah. So, and I, I definitely don't want to detract from your other work and just focus on the, the cats and kitten stuff because your other illustrations and it, let me, I, I just want to like, there's something I kind of want to just talk about too. And, oh, and sure. this sounds like a mic drop here. No, I'm just, I'm really curious how watercolor became your kind of your, your, your format of choice because it's really difficult to work with. That's what everyone says, but I think it's because I'm, I went to art school, um, but I think it's because I'm so stingy with paint and um, watercolor is something that even if it's completely dried out years old, you can put water in it again and it will reconstitute itself. And also not for nothing. My aunt is like kind of a prolific watercolor, um, watercolorist. Mm-hmm. Uh, she, uh, went to the new school in New York in the sixties, um, when it was like the place to go. And then, um, she, uh, got a scholarship or something to study in Stuttgart, Germany, um, after that. And, uh, now she teaches, she was just a professional in her own for years, but now she teaches at, um, in Ireland, uh, at like, a the university of, or like the art Institute of Cork or something like that. Amazing. Yeah. Amazing. Well, so, so, so you kind of had somebody, yeah. you had somebody that was like sort of ahead of you that you yeah. could look to as a, as a, as an inspiration as well. For sure. But she, she told me not to be an artist. She was like, don't do it. Well, all, all artists say that. Yeah. I, I've yeah. never met an artist that's like, you should totally become an artist. It's the best thing ever. So you know, I mean, they're like, 
my so my wife graduated from CCA out here, and she's oh, a, yeah. she's an incredibly talented yeah. painter as well. And she she works for Salesforce, you know. Yeah, and that's not disappointing in no. any way. It just you know like you know as she said, like getting together shows and doing all the work to get like especially if you're doing solo work is so difficult. And it takes up so much time. And even if you sell a bunch of paintings, you when you go back and track the amount of hours that you had to put into it, she's like, I, I, I couldn't figure it out, you know? And, you yeah. know, she's, she's incredibly, you know, smart and creative. So she's put like a lot of her creative energy into like raising our kids and also doing amazing things around our house. But, yeah. you know, we're building her a studio in the next couple of weeks, which I'm super excited about. And I'm hoping that she gets back into her painting because it's mm-hmm. really, she's got a very unique style as well. But I, I have to say like watching people work over the years and I worked like one of my merchandise businesses was out of the back of, of uh, receiver gallery in, in the mission back when that was still happening. Yep. Um, and watching like people come in and do their installations and like, just really be so thoughtful about every single piece and where it was placed. You know, most artists were that way. Some were like, just put her here. You know, they didn't really care, but like, I, I was, I was like, God, the diligence and the, the perfection kind of, of the craft of even hanging paintings is really, it's admirable. And it's really, it takes a lot of time. And when you talk about 10,000 hours of work, it's no joke yeah. to really perfect it. So, you know, hats off to you for, for both perfecting what I think is a difficult medium, you know, in my opinion. And again, I'm not an artist, but also like really having your style, like shine through all this stuff. Cause you know, as I, as I kind of look through your portfolio, it's like this stuff really, it's, it's like, it retains the cuteness of the animals, but it's also like has a little bit of realistic. It's just really beautiful work. And, you know, so congrats on, on your success as well with this. Cause I know it's not easy. Yeah. Um, I like painting things that are either sad or funny to me. Yeah, totally. Like the, the bat, the dude bat. Oh. <laughs> um, yeah. So are a lot of your, is a lot of your work now um, commissioned as well? Do you do a, um, a fair amount of that kind of work or? Well, here's the dirty secret is that I have a day job um, that I work at that I also make art. So I feel extraordinarily privileged to be able to make art for a living anyway, but then also have this as a side hustle and like have published work. And I have things in like three or four languages now um, that are sold all over the world. Um, But like, I still have to make a living and like get health insurance and like yep. mm-hmm. totally. the thing. So what's your, what is your day gig? Um, I will not name the company, but I work um, making children's clothing graphics um, awesome. and prints for a, a big retailer. That's amazing. I, I don't yeah, have a problem cool. with that. Being, as you know, I'm in, I'm in part of the apparel industry as well. I, I actually yeah, am the I one do. that puts those prints on the, on the, on the garments. So, or, or fabric, depending on yeah. what the, the client needs. But yeah, yeah, Kevin works weird. for Facebook. <laughs> yeah. I do from time to time. I mean, yes. I, I, admit it. I, I admit it. It's like the Miriam Stahl episode where she grudgingly admitted that she goes in and does art, art um, kind of classes at Facebook. Um, I mean, it doesn't pay to be an artist. I mean, no, I mean, I, I'll be honest. If I could make money just hand screen printing stuff, for yeah. people, I'd do it. For sure. I love it. I love I love making screens. I love like 
playing around with stuff to see that I'm getting the best sort of like coverage on stuff. I, there's just, but doing artwork screen printing wise, there's just not a lot of, unless you're like incredibly creative on the, on the actual design side and you can print your own stuff. It's really hard to make money at, you know? Do you find that, um, at least I found this, but do you find that you can trade with people and like set up that like trade economy? It's so much more like you're so much more able to do that when you are like a creative or an artist, like Mm -hmm. that you can be like, Oh, I have this. Let me trade you for this because I value your time and resources. Totally. Well, and that's, you know, it's interesting that you asked that because I was, we, I was subletting to an artist and you may know him, Paul Madonna from San Francisco. He, he did the coffee talk uh, article in the Chronicle for years and years, but he, he's like, he, him and I have been talking about him creating a couple of like two or three color designs and me hand printing the posters at limited edition and like how that might work, you know, because what I want is his, I want like one of his pieces. I don't really care about getting paid. And I know if he does like a limited run of like, you know, 25 hand printed posters, he's going to make a lot of money on that, you know, because he's, he's, he sells his stuff for a lot of money and that's kind of where he's at in his career. And, but you know, I also like, you know, I'm covered in tattoos and most of them are trades for t-shirts with tattoo artists. Yeah. You know, mm. and that's just kind of how it's gone. What but about I podcasts? That. They like this podcast as it gets more successful, just costs more and more money. <laughs> so the more successful we get, the more money it costs. I mean, yep. I'm paying a ton to be here right now. So. Yeah. <laughs> I, <laughs> right. Thank you guys for accepting yeah. Oh yeah, you're welcome. Dollars, no yes. problem. Um, so, um, kind of moving on. There's now there's a, a huge. I mean the the cat loving community is massive. I mean it's 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 and it, it's funny because, like wh- the way I even heard about Hannah was from my former HR person um, Sandra, who I'm going to mention by name this time. Um, she came in wearing uh, the the Salt Girl shirt to oh, work yeah. one day, and she knows that we print the Jawbreaker stuff. Yeah, so she was like, "Ha ha ha! Look what I'm wearing!" I'm, I'm like, "Who made that shirt?" <laughs> and so I started kind of looking at her and crafting, essentially crafting how I was going to approach her to come on the show because right. you know when you've got a million plus followers on YouTube and Instagram there's a manager between you and somebody like me asking that question, but um, it's just such a massive. And so Sandra was really kind of, she's like, look, you're vegan. I can't understand why you're not more like keyed into like cat rescue. You've rescued a bunch of dogs. Like what's up here. And so she started educating me around this and you know, so then I'm like, Oh my, then I was like looking at Hannah's site and I'm like, what? Megan's on here. And then I'm going through my emails. I'm like, Oh my God, that is who I thought it was, right? Action, yeah. And so, so talk a little bit about that because you just did a, comp, a convention and you're about to do CatCon. For sure. Um, and obviously there's a difference now in doing it virtual versus um, in person, but talk a little bit about what that's done for you and your, your artwork as well because I'm, I'm super curious because cat people are incredibly loyal too. For sure. Um I do some other conventions aside from like cat conventions, but um, cat conventions are really, um, I think probably Hannah and I, both of our niche. Um, but uh, the, the folks there, um, it, it kind of um, oscillates like even between conventions, between pop culture and advocacy. Right. And um, sometimes they're like, they'll sway 
more or less towards one of those things. Um, so you, you kind of have to, even at other conventions, you have to dial in what you're going to bring based on the people who are going to be there and who you are going to interact with. And that's what's really great about conventions is that you finally get to meet all the friends that you've made on the internet. Um, How I met Hannah and like, it's, I mean, I think it's probably tantamount to like the message boards back in the day or like book your own life. I don't know if you're on this podcast. We don't care. Meeting people. um, (laughs) I'm a potty mouth. Yeah. Uh, meeting you didn't hear me when I muted and my naked son came in here. So (laughs) so (laughs) it was pretty adorable. He's a pretty cute guy. He was a maniac. He was just running around. Well, his mom had the door cracked and I had you guys on mute and, or I had me on mute so you couldn't hear her, but she was like, come out here now. And he's like, no, I'm going to do what I want. (laughs) Hi daddy. I feel that. That's good. Some good life lessons there. I'm going to do what I want. Yeah. So you were talking about yeah, meeting people. No. Uh, we get to, I get to like meet people and like make friends that are like see people in real life that I've made friends with on the internet. Um, yeah. and actually interact with folks who like my work, um, which is such a, a great boost to like what you're doing. Like I believe that I would make art if I was living on an Island and just like draw the animals that were living there in the sand or whatever, which mm-hmm. maybe sounds more prolific than it actually is. It would probably be partially out of boredom, but um, it's really nice to like be able to interact with people. And so like, it's such a boon to what I do to be able to go to conventions like that and like talk to those people and meet them. Like, whereas I would have no other way of doing that. Otherwise I'm not going to like meet up with a stranger at. Yeah. weird city that I'm randomly traveling through. I mean, I'm not, I don't know. <laughs> how does it work never. with, how does it work with the virtual conventions? In the um, well, I've done two so far. Um, and they were both very different. Um, one was more of like a creating its own individual social media platform. Mm-hmm. So you just, it would be like a tiny little Facebook that you would just interact with those people for the weekend. Mm. And then they had a wall that you would like talk to people and like you were supposed to create demos and things. And this, uh, the second one that I was uh, on, they actually asked me to um, do a watercolor demo, which they have since archived, which, so you can see that on you Jackson galaxy's YouTube now, which is actually pretty fun because I pretend to be Bob Ross. (laughs) Oh, amazing. (laughs) Yeah. Got to put a clip of that up. (laughs) <laughs> you oh, you could. We can't wait. You literally pretend to be Bob Ross. Yeah, painting oh cat, happy little cats. It's called wow. the joy of painting your cat. Um, oh and God. I gave gave people um, a downloadable template, um, and then I did like a twenty minute tutorial, like just using like the outlines of a random cat and how they would paint their cat into it. And I used a tabby as an example because I think that's the most common cat coloring. Everybody's got a tabby. I usually uh, have one running around in this room. There you go. Yep. It's probably under the bed, I would assume. I don't know where she is. She's a wild one. She's young. So she was, she's got a feral mama. So we don't, we, you know, we, she's very, very affectionate, but when she wants to be. Yeah. yeah. I feel that. Yeah. <laughs> um, I feel that. I've got a couple feral fosters right now. Well, not yeah. feral. They're feral mom kittens. Yeah. That I'm socializing. Uh, um, to the best. 
Yeah, they're pretty great. Um, winning I've and got one right back here. It's just hard to see because she's just a dark shape. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we recently um, acquired a fourth cat accidentally. Oh um, basically because our other cats got along with her so well. I've actually, I've never seen cats be so affectionate and together as they are with this cat. It's kind of like gluing our house together right now. Wow. Um, yeah, and I know. It's so very I'm, strange. You're, and your husband's in alignment with your, with the cat. He, yeah, he was the one who was like, Can <laughs> room? Uh-huh. that's so like, sweet. Yeah. I see what's happening here. Yeah. Um, and she, it's so funny <laughs> because she hissed at every other cat she's ever seen. She hissed, she like didn't get along with her sisters, like hissing and spitting like aggressively. Wow. Um, and she ended up uh, like, just like beelining out of the room anytime she, cause you have to quarantine foster cats um, for the first like two weeks that they're living with you just to prevent any, like mm. any cross cam- contamination. But um, right. she would beeline anytime I opened the door right for them, just purring and like rubbing and then would see anything else and hiss. Huh? Huh? Interesting. Soulmates. I guess. She was I meant mean, to be your family. Yeah. Right? Right yeah I mean, I think you kind of just know yeah. when you like bond with it. An animal. Yeah, totally. Um, that's, that's actually my, uh, we have a, we have a rescue doggy too. And he's, he's my dog. Like yeah. 100%. And I'm surprised he's not on the bed back here right now. Cause he follows me everywhere. He must, there must be food out there that he's eating. So he's usually scratching at the door. <laughs> Let me in. Where are you? you know? Yeah. Is, so he's definitely he's a, thinking about you right now. Yeah, of course. So, um, so that convention, the the last one then was that a was that a um, was that a cat convention or was it a yeah um, the ones I've done this year have been cat conventions. I think people are still like learning how to do this, mm-hmm. um, but I feel like I need to get good at it because I don't know what the future looks like okay. in terms of virtual conventions v real life conventions. If there will be accurate rapid testing, et cetera, like. I'm probably more on the cautious end of the folks that I know and have not done much outside of my own home. Right. I'm still working from home. Um, my husband has been working from home. His All of his clients are still on the West Coast, so right. he's been here the whole time. Um, but yeah, no, we're kind of just navigating new ground right now. Um, and the third convention I'll do in a couple weeks is also a cat convention. So we'll see. Maybe next year I'll be doing other ones that are outside yeah. of that. Well, I mean, I think especially with the like the stuff that you were talking about, like the enamel pins and some of the other like merchandise you bring with you, that yeah. I mean that that definitely has some overflow to other, you know, like some of the craft fairs and some of the other, right. you know, the 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 other stuff that where you can move, you know, kind of sell products and and get things moving. Um I know we we I mean it's it's hard because like I think that the West Coast craft fair is, is mm. happening here this weekend, and they just basically moved it from inside to the parking lot at Fort Mason. Oh, really? Yeah. So, um, you know, and I, I'm probably not going to go, but I think I think that my wife might head down there and just check it out. Um, I'm a little more. I get a little more nervous about stuff. Um, yeah. You know, but whatever. I'm 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 curious to see how it goes. A lot of stuff's opening up here, and and you know, I know restaurants are going to be open, etc. Did you, were you doing all of your art at home previously or did you, were you working out of a studio? No, um, I, we actually are lucky enough because we live in the Midwest now to have space. 
right. which is one of the benefits of living uh, in a flyover state um, mm-hmm. that you have. So I am in my computer office right now with my Cintiq, which is like a large drawing tablet. And mm-hmm. then we have like a painting studio in the basement. Oh, nice. Um, oh, that's amazing. Uh, my husband also paints. Um, so that's what it's like if I left the Bay Area. That's what my life could yeah, be. Yeah, like. you'd have a house, dude. God damn it. Yeah, it's pay for a one bedroom. We also crazy. have a yard. Yeah. And a garage. Just uh, saying. I don't know. We, we went to Sedona, Arizona last week. And even there, like, it's not cheap comparatively to other parts of Arizona because it's sure. a very established community. Yeah. But compared to the Bay Area, even with the prices coming down, it's insane. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, and it's, you know, obviously it's picturesque. It's beautiful. But yeah. it, it, it's, it's, there's something about being close to the ocean for me. How close are you, are you all to, um, to Lake Michigan? We're fairly close. Um, we live a little west of it, a little further in. Um, but it's, I don't think I could live away from a large body of water. Right. Like that helps me not feel claustrophobic. Yep. Um, well, and the Great Lakes feel like oceans because you can't see do. the other side. Yeah. I know so people are saying there's a big difference, but yeah, obviously, but you can't really tell when you're standing at the shore. Yeah. The first time I saw one of the Great Lakes, well, it was Michigan, Lake Michigan as well. I, I was like, I thought I was at an ocean. I mean, the yeah, only me difference too. is, is yeah. the power of the, of the, of the tide. I mean, that's really it. For sure. Know, it, but it's when you're standing there, it's like, Oh my God, this is a gigantic body of water that yeah, I cannot can. see across, you know? And if I went out there, I don't know if I would ever see across it, you know? Yeah. So it's a, well, it's a, it's um, a powerful experience. Like for sure. Um, you can take a ferry like from Milwaukee to, um, uh, I think Manistee, Michigan. Yeah. Um, and there's a point where you can't see either part of the land. I bet. Like it's yeah. that big. It's mm-hmm. not, not nothing. It is. I, I used a, to go a, fishing uh, on one of the Great Lakes with my dad all the time. Oh, and wow. it was basically really easy to get lost. Uh, yeah. Because once you're out, all the houses look exactly the same and all the docks look exactly the same. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. That's funny. I never thought about that. I, I, uh, so I have been to Lake Michigan on multiple sides, you know, sure. having lived in Michigan, Chicago, and then yeah. Milwaukee as well. But when I was touring in the, in the like early nineties with a hardcore band, we played in Milwaukee and I was actually drinking at the time. I'm, you know, many years sober now, but uh, we, we did a little beer tour and uh, I ended up skinny dipping in Lake Michigan. And I will tell you that in the dead of summer, it is still freezing. Yeah, that yeah, was going to be the other thing I said about it is that you still don't want to swim in it either, no. even though it's a lake. Yeah, it's uh, it wasn't really it was not it was not recommended by the locals, yeah. <laughs> but I had to do it. So you know, there you are. There's my, there's my youth in a nutshell right there, touring with a bunch of dudes in a van and playing hardcore shows and jumping in Lake Michigan. So you know, but it's a it's a great town. It really is, and and uh, you know, uh, congratulations on actually being able to get a house. <laughs> <laughs> we're just renting it right now. So we're yeah. not, we don't own it. Still. Um, I, I still have a, a bit of commitment phobe yeah. phobia about buying a house. Um, I think maybe it comes from like small living the whole time, like being in the Bay area for 12 years yeah, and a- not owning anything and not having to take care of it when the roof ran- randomly leaks when it rains for a month. Yeah, it's a right. very different experience. You know. Um, so are you are you but are you sort of not committed to but planning on staying in, in Milwaukee for the foreseeable future? 
I don't know, man. The world is wide. Yeah, it is. <laughs> it is. Um, well, it uh, seems yeah. like you found you found somebody that's like your partner in this exploration as well, which is amazing because sure. that's not always easy either. Yeah, you know? it's nice. Loves to be cats quiet. and will travel with you. I mean, come on. <laughs> yeah, we have so many cats right now. Though. <laughs> <laughs> you kind of you kind of got it dialed in, though. I mean, you know. You yeah, have a, I guess you know they could travel two and two at this point. Yeah. Yeah, totally. So, um, in terms of your, your work, you have, um, do you have, do you have anything kind of big on the horizon that you can talk about? We don't, obviously we don't want to get you talking about things that are sort of still not, you know, announced, but what, what's happening? What's your, what's your kind of new, your new projects? Well, um, I have a book that I wrote with my partner that, um, just came out, um, September 1st called unfamiliar familiars. Um, and it's about, a fake fact book kind of about um, witch familiars and like mm. what their magical names might be and who they might partner best with. It's basically my dream book from when I was a kid. Awesome. Um, oh, having like read the Hobbit at an early age and mm-hmm. like told my mom in kindergarten that I wanted to be a vampire when I grew up, <laughs> she was saying that that might be problematic and I didn't understand why. Yeah. And my favorite books were like, um, do you guys remember the, the story about the green ribbon? Yeah. Mm, the girl, mm, green ribbon. Yeah. yeah. That was my favorite book. Really? Yeah. Interesting. So you had eclectic totally taste early it. on. Yeah. I was like, um, cottage core baby goth, I guess. Yeah, totally. Totally. <laughs> That's so funny. It's a, uh, you know, and then everybody got Harry Potter. So it was, you know, yeah. And yeah, now I was, we're falling out of it and, yeah, I was uh, so I, I had a lot of goth friends in high school, and I, I read all the Anne Rice books. Oh sure, oh yeah, yeah, too. yeah. those were the jam back then. And uh, yeah, I mean, I think I I went to um, interview with the vampire on opening night like, <laughs> with my dad because I was too young to get in, and there wow. were people like full on dressed up. Yeah, oh, that's, yeah. Awesome. that's awesome. Absolutely. Now yeah. I'm gonna have to revisit those books in that movie. You yeah. Know. I don't know if any of it holds up. Yeah. It's hard. It's hard to tell. I know it like, it seems so great at the time. And I feel like the, like sort of the descriptive language around those kinds of stories has gotten so much even better and more, more concise that it's hard to go backwards, but you know, there's some nostalgia there. Well, it's also who you were when you read them, right? Like, like I, like at that time I was way more into vampires than I am now. So, Yeah. 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 So, so how do how do people get the new book? Um, it's released from Chronicle Books. Um, oh, excellent. They can go to chroniclebooks.com slash familiar. Okay. Um, and uh, they can take a quiz on what their familiar would be. Um, and it's kind well, of that's fun. a YA book, like a picture book for kids, but for adults. Okay. Um, there are jokes about Walt Whitman in it. I, excellent. You know. Oh, that's awesome. I can't wait to see this. We'll put a link up too on the, on the website. Yeah. When we post this. And, and, um, anything, uh, other stuff that you're doing for other people? Um, I just finished doing maximum funds, um, work for, uh, their pledge drive, doing their own animal pins. Um, awesome. I'm probably doing a couple animal rescue, uh, animal farm sanctuary, um, things coming up. Um, and I have two projects coming out with Chronicle Books next fall Excellent. that are TBD named at this point. But um, one will be a game and one will be a book. Oh, amazing. That's yeah. really fun. I think that when you start making your own things and start publishing things, you kind of have to make things a year in advance. So I'm like in the point right now where I've worked on something so much that I kind of hate it. 
and that I'll love it again when it finally comes out in a year. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. You're like, I just want to be done. Yeah. 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 It makes total sense. And then, um, in terms of any nonprofits that you're working with as well, you mentioned obviously one, but I know, I know that many people that do art have sort of ones that are near and dear. Um, any, anybody we should be supporting out there? Gosh. Um, the cat Cade is an amazing, uh, nonprofit in Chicago, uh, Flatbush cats in, um, New York, no, uh, there's so many. Um, I know that there is a, there's a vegan um, sanctuary here that is doing a fundraiser and they're slipping my mind at the moment, but um, they're, if you give to an animal group that's local to you, you're probably going to make a lot more of a difference than like yeah. somebody across country. I would, I, I wholeheartedly agree with that. And, you know, there's a lot of really good organizations that are doing things like, you know, what, you know, we talked about with, um, with Hannah where they're taking larger donations and then distributing them to smaller yeah. organizations that really need the money. So yeah. watch out for those as well. And so um, we're, we're coming up pretty close to time. We always have a few announcements that we, um, that we have to talk about. I think just in closing, there's a couple of just short little should be easy answer questions. You don't have to think about too much. You know, you've, I would assume that when you do the cat conventions, especially live that you get approached by children as well. Yeah. And what sort of just what would be your advice to a kid that wants to do art? I mean, you know, other than don't become an artist like your aunt, but what, oh. what would be your what would be your advice? Draw everything that you see. Okay. That's that's awesome advice. That I think we we could quick answer. Yeah, no, that's beautiful. And then um, you know, obviously we like to keep in touch with the people that we interview. So if you have any cool projects that come up in the next, you know, few months to a year, just email us. I post stuff regularly about, sure. you know, cause we, like I say, we're not, you know, we're not that proud of the people we interview, just totally proud of them. And, we, <laughs> and we're, we're super happy to share any cool work that you're doing, um, that you feel like, you know, that you, that you, you especially stuff you have your heart in. So, um, I just want to say thank you, um, for coming on and we really appreciate the time. I know again, there's a time difference here. So um, I just feel like it was a very, very sincere interview and we always appreciate that. So um, um, two quick things for the podcast. One uh, as people here every week, we are uh, raising money um, this year. Uh, we did it for our entire last season. I suppose we'll come up with a new nonprofit for, season four, but, um, we will pick a nonprofit. So anything that goes to Patreon will likely go to a nonprofit. Um, because as you do, we have day jobs that pay our rent and bills, uh, at least for now. Um, the other thing is, is we have some amazing guests coming up. Um, I think you're on mute, Joshua. Uh, I just wanted to say that you mentioned that, but before we decide our next one, what the currently, Oh, yes. So right now it's Hospitality House San Francisco, who you may be familiar with because they do an art auction every year. So you might may or may not be getting an email from me for art auction next year about possibly an in-kind piece to help people with uh, with uh, mental health issues and those that are recovering from substance abuse get off the streets, um, which is near and dear to me for a large variety of reasons. Um, but the other thing is, is that we have an incredible lineup this season. Um We've already, the, you're, you're our third guest, but um, we're going to have 
the cat man of West Oakland on. Oh, um, awesome. So yeah, so so Adam's coming on. Uh, I believe his interviews in two weeks. We're we've pivoted be completely to cats. <laughs> I guess so. Well, but then we're also um, we're also interviewing uh, an author that I love uh, in the next uh, in in the next couple of weeks. Anna Merlin, who wrote um, Republic of Lies, which is about conspiracy theories. Um, and then uh, oh, we're, cats too. yeah, hopefully um, we'll, we'll talk about cats with her for sure. I mean, why not? And then um, we're going to be interviewing um, uh, a podcaster and, um, and uh, uh, journalist um, named Maggie Freeling. And she is doing a podcast right now called Unjust and Unsolved, which deals with people that are uh, unjustly in prison and the yeah. fact that their uh, that their um, crimes have actually never been solved. And there's lots of proof backing these up. She was formerly at Latino USA, uh, so we've got some great guests this season. I'm super excited, and we're working on a couple of other surprises. And we also have some secret, yeah, some yeah. <laughs> secret guests. So. Some some other hardcore animal advocates that um, have a little bit of a following around the world. So we're we're awesome. we're working hard, um, you know. And again, we really appreciate you coming on, Megan, and um, you, you know, so just keep us updated on everything you're doing. For All sure. Right? Great. And yeah. thanks for listening, everybody. 